0: Chapter 9, just a few short verses, Uh, this morning I speak to us about preparing uh, for a harvest. I love this uh, time of year where we have some cooler weather, Uh, In about a couple months we'll be complaining, man, it's cold, Uh, I can't wait for summer, Uh, how, how quickly we forget, but it happens every year. Uh, but I do appreciate the fall and the uh, because fall off, it doesn't just mean cooler temperatures and the change of leaves and this pretty look at, but it means that there's some harvest that it's harvest season, uh, and harvest is a wonderful thing. And uh, when we, uh, but to harvest, there's some stuff that has to go in uh, before the harvest happens. And so that's what I want us to talk about uh, this morning, is how do we get ready for the harvest? I believe with all my heart that God uh, is doing things in our church, and God's going to continue to want to do even greater things in our church. And I know as I drive uh, through our neighborhood uh, every week um, and see people as they're going about, and, um, you know, my heart breaks for them because I know many of them do not know Jesus. Not just that they're not in church, and I certainly do think people ought to be in church. But as I, I think I said earlier, it's not going to church that makes you right with God. Now hopefully if you go to church, you're going to hear a message that's going to drive you to Jesus. And you'll find this one that can make it right and can make you whole again. But just coming to church doesn't do you, that, that's not what gets you there. It might be the first step to being on the road to there, but that's not what gets you there. And friend, uh, can I tell you something? And, and this may surprise you, and this isn't even part of my sermon. This is just free information. This is extra. You know, that you know, somebody told said, Preacher, I don't think I have to go to church uh, to be a Christian. And I tell you there's some truth to that. You're, you're not a Christian because you go to church. And you can be saved and not go to church. But I can tell you without absolute question, with absolute certainty, you cannot be the Christian God desires for you to be without being a regular, active part of a local church. It is so important. And it's not just that you come to church. It's not about just coming to church. It's not about doing anything. But the fact that you're gathered here today means one of two things. It either means that Jesus Christ has come into your life and changed you so radically that you want to be in his house and you want to worship him and you want to be with brothers and sisters in the Lord. Or it means that you're questioning and you're asking, you know, God, where are you? What's this all about? And you're trying to figure it out. And church should be the, a good place for that to happen. I guess there might be a third point, you know, you may be we're drugged here. Uh, but, you know, somebody took you and said, we're going to church. Uh, but, and, and that might be, uh, hopefully that's not the case. But, so, church is important. Uh, not, that's not what, how you're saved. I heard when somebody say one time, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a cheeseburger. And it stuck with me, and it's kind of funny, but it's true. Now, it'll make if you go to McDonald's enough, you'll look like a cheeseburger. Uh, but it, it won't make you a cheeseburger. Okay? And so going to church is not what saves you. You go to church because you are saved. And you love others because you are saved, because of what Jesus has done in your life. And that's the example that Jesus gives that we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 9 in verses 35 through 38, just four verses this morning. Uh, Luke also records this. Luke, interestingly, records it in a little bit of a different place. Uh, Luke puts it right in before the sending out of the 70 disciples. Where it belongs, if one's, you know, the, the fact is that Jesus said he may have taught it twice. You know, preachers are praying, hey, if it's a really good sermon, we're not just going to preach it once. We're going to preach it every chance we get. And so, you know, that's neither here nor there. But Jesus wanted us to understand, that, hey, listen, if you're going to follow after him, your life is not going to be the same. And if you're serving him, there'll be fruits that will come into your life and out of your life. Because of your service to him. And so let's take a look at what he says. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. It says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to the disciples The harvest truly is plentiful But the laborers are few Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest To send out laborers Into his harvest Jesus here Addresses His disciples And said you know what We've done a lot of stuff And we've seen stuff And uh, Luke Where Luke gives this message, it's that, hey, listen, you're going to accomplish some stuff for the Lord. You're going to see God do stuff. And understand that any ministry that we do is not of ourselves. It's from Christ. And that leads me to the first point this morning. Is that the harvest depends on ministry. I want you to understand this morning that people coming to see Jesus means that there has to be some things going on, sometimes behind the scenes, sometimes apart from them, and outside of their presence, but it impacts them. It's like the preacher, as he's preparing his message through the week, and he's he's praying, and he's, he's praying for you, and I do pray for each of you every week. You don't see that, you don't hear it, and I don't you know, call you up and say, hey, I'm I'm praying for you, so let me tell you what I know. But I do, and hopefully you you feel that you know that there's some results to preparation, behind-the-scenes things that not only I do, but others uh, in the church do, and other churches, there's churches praying for our church and praying for you. And so before Jesus gave this admonition, he'd gone... To all the cities he'd been traveling about. And he'd been going into the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of the kingdom simply is this, that we're all lost. We all are affected by sin. And the only recipe for the cure for that sin is faith. You see, faith was the recipe or the condition in the Old Testament. It was Abraham's faith that God counted him righteous. It was David's faith that God used uh, you know, to slay Goliath and to lead the children of Israel. And it was faith in the New Testament. It was faith in Paul's day and it's faith today. But not faith in any old empty thing or anything that we want to make it. It's always been faith in God. And faith in the redemption that he offers. Abraham didn't see Jesus. It was centuries, eons between Abraham and Jesus. And yet Abraham knew that somehow when God made a promise, it was going to come to pass. Faith is not, you know, just blindly taking somebody's word, but faith is knowing that you can depend on what that person has said, that it will come to pass. And trusting in that. And you know how that happens? It happens in relationship, by you having a relationship with the Almighty. And you walking with him. Because the disciples had walked with Jesus. They had gone to all kinds of towns and villages. And Jesus had preached a message. Maybe even the same sermon every night to each different synagogue that he went to. And he healed people of various diseases. And he did all kinds of miracles. and, And did wonderful things. The disciples saw that. And do you think they were impacted by it? Absolutely they were. And so here's the thing. The ministry, the the harvest that we want is souls. We want to see people saved. We want to see God change people's lives. Well, you know how that happens? It's by God changing your life and God transforming you and you being surrendered and used by God. And people see that and they hear your testimony And they say, you know what, if God can clean that wreck up, he can fix me too. We live in a world where there are a lot of people that think they've done too much bad, that God can't forgive them, and God can't use them, and that God can't possibly love them. We live in a world where the word love means being used we're being abused the world needs to see what love really is love is giving and love is care but you see you need to understand that you can't give what you don't have and so Jesus has to be working in your life but here's the thing Jesus can't just work in your life. And you keep that and say, oh, that's nice. Let me put it on a shelf like I put my books on a shelf after I've done reading them. No, that's not how it works. You maybe have heard it this way. It's a little trite. But it says, you know, that we are blessed to be a blessing. And can I tell you that God changes your life and transforms you so that you can show others He can do the same for them. And I tell you, I think Jesus would have come if you were the only one or I were the only one that needed salvation. I think Jesus loved me enough, He loved you enough, He would have come. But guess what? You're not the only one. And the fact is, Scripture says that every single human being on planet Earth is separated from God and has this disease called sin. Well, the thing is, the cure for that sin is not a shot. It's not doing good. It's not coming to a place. The cure is asking Jesus into your life. You see, He's already paid for the cure. All you have to do is accept it. But here's the thing. Once you accept it, your life changes. And so, because your life is changing, and God is working in your life, guess what? That calls you to gather with God's people. It calls you to pray. It calls you to read His Word. Listen, you don't read the Bible, you don't pray so that you can be a Christian. You do those things because you are one. And as God uses his word, and he uses prayer, and he uses his church to minister to you, because sometimes it may be that the church is needing to minister to you. Sometimes it may be you that's needing to minister to someone else. Sometimes your just presence might be needed by somebody. And if you're not here, guess what? They're not, you're not ministering to them. They're missing out. What God wants to do. But here's the thing. When we're not preparing the harvest. When we're not tilling the soil if you will. And if we're not actively working. Keeping that soil up. And that's what prayer. And Bible study. And church. And all those things. All those spiritual disciplines. That the Bible talks about. Those are things that help us. To grow in Christ. And God uses those things to transform us. And as he transforms us, it's supposed to be like a little spark. And it's supposed to pass on to others. But guess what? If there's not a spark in you, I can guarantee you that the spark ain't not going to jump from you to anybody else. And so if we're not praying, if we're not reading the Bible, we're not allowing God to change us. then God's not going to be able to change anybody else. So understand that Jesus tells us in these few verses that if you want God to bring a harvest, then there's got to be some ministry going on. That God has to be working in your life. You have to be going and allowing God to transform you and to change you. How important that is. And again, it's not so that you can check off some boxes. But understand that you live in a world that desperately needs Jesus. Listen, the answer, as we've seen, we've had a president a couple of years ago, we have another one this. Guess what? We have a lot of the same problems we had. In fact, a lot of the problems we've had have gotten worse. It's not a matter of, well, if I just had a new president, if I just had a new... Can I tell you, this world's problem is not going to be solved by Washington, D.C. This world's problems can only be solved through the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the source. He's the one that can bring peace to this world. He's the one that can bring healing and wholeness to this world. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't, you know, be involved in government. I'm not saying that. We shouldn't pray for In fact, the Bible commands us to pray for our leaders, and you need need to be doing so. But can I tell you that if God is not ministering to you through the week, nothing's going to happen on Sunday. But can I tell you that if God works in your heart on Monday and Tuesday and Friday and Saturday, then chances are pretty good that God's going to do something on Sunday. And so ministry is necessary for a harvest to come. You being ministered to and you ministering to others. You allowing God to change you, and then sharing that change with others. But then secondly, I want you to understand that not only does the harvest depend upon ministry, but the harvest depends upon empathy. It says that Jesus had gone about. He was ministering all his villages, teaching. And then it says that Jesus was moved with compassion for the people. Because they were sheep without a shepherd. They were going out in every direction and not getting where they needed to go. And he had concern for him. Unfortunately, our response to those that are dealing with various sins and struggles in life, say, Ooh, I better stay away from them. Or we turn our nose up at them. Or we say things like, Well, if you'd only lived right, that wouldn't be happening to you. And by the way, people said the same thing in Jesus' day. <laughs> people haven't changed. But as we read through the Gospels, you know what? The only people that Jesus ever got really terse with were the religious people. One of our that uh, David preached uh, in John chapter 4 last Sunday morning, the woman at the well. Jesus didn't belittle her. Jesus changed her life. And she went and told everybody else and lots of people in that town came to faith in God and found a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, I know for a fact there are people in your neighborhoods, there are people in your workplaces, and there's more than likely people in your family who are struggling with all kinds of different sin. And this is what sin is doing to their life, whether it's alcoholism or some other addiction or some other sin, because sin does the same thing no matter what form it comes in. It destroys and kills. And boy, we're seeing that in our world. How sin in various forms has not only ruined a lot of people's lives, ruined a lot of families. Sin has ruined a lot of nations through human history. And it will continue to do so. It can't do anything but destroy. And Jesus knew that. He knew that within the group, his he said, hey, these are some guys I've called. And by the way, not all those 12 were super guys. <laughs> One of them was going to end up betraying Jesus, wasn't he? And they walked and they heard and they saw Jesus do all these things, but they also saw Jesus interact with that woman at the well. And Mary, who came to Jesus and broke a, a flask of expensive perfume ointment and on Jesus' hands and feet. They had seen Jesus interact with a lot of different people. Rich people, poor people, It didn't matter to Jesus. But Jesus loved people. And I tell you that when you understand where somebody is coming from and where they're at, when you can identify with them, you can have empathy for. Empathy is being able to identify and care for someone else. And that's how Jesus was and how he expects us to be. See, Jesus has compassion. He sees that drug addict out on the street, you know, stealing. And he sees that alcoholic that's drinking his life away. And he sees that thief that's stealing, trying to get ahead and thinking that, you know, by robbing somebody of something else, that they're getting ahead. He sees them. And he has compassion on Now, that compassion does not say, well, hey, you've done bad. Let's just forget about it, hug it out, and we'll all be okay. No. Jesus will help us to deal with our sin and the bad choices that we're making, and he'll point point us to the way of making some better choices. But here's the thing. He will say, hey, listen, I identify, and I'm, man, I, I hate it for those folks. I tell you that Jesus wept over cities because he knew that they were away from God. Harvest can come when we understand, we realize that, you know what, it's not that we judge or knock down or put in a corner somewhere those that are different, those that are struggling. But when we can be moved and have compassion on them. We need to understand that, you know what, if we want God to transform people's life, that ministry is dirty. It's smelly. And because sin is smelly, and you know this world is smelly, and you know, in order for God to transform and change, we have to be willing to get a little dirt on our hand. We'd be willing to hang around with people who are struggling with sin. In fact, we have to even be willing to identify with those that aren't just struggling with it. They've embraced it, and they think it's grand. I'm not saying that we, you know, say, Hey, listen, let me get drunk with you uh, so that I can... No. You can feel compassion, and you can show compassion for someone... Without having been in those shoes, because you say, you know what, I want some, I know you can have something better and something different in your life. So often, our response, as human, even as good Christian people, our response oftentimes is to judge people and to put them down. When our response should be, you know what? Yeah, you're in a bad place. Jesus loves you and so do I. So the harvest depends upon empathy. Jesus had compassion on us because he knew what it was like to be human. Because he became one. And because he was God and because he was man and was without sin, He was able to shed His innocent, perfect blood. Whosoever would call upon Him would have eternal life. Whosoever. The woman at the well. You. Your neighbors. Those that live in Foreign lands. So Jesus looked and he said, Hey, listen, he was moved with compassion. And then he said, You know what? The harvest really is plentiful, but the laborers are few. You see, not only does it take work to prepare for a harvest, it takes work to plant seeds and to water and weed the garden and all those kind of things. It takes a lot of work. Leslie and I had a garden one time. And we realized, hey, listen, paying 75 cents for a cucumber at the store really ain't so bad. (laughs) It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to have compassion on people. It takes some commitment. It not only takes money. It takes hands and nearness. It's not just enough to say, you know what, I'll pray for that person that's out on the streets without a home. and It's a whole other thing to go to that person and Talk with them and pray for them and you know, maybe give them a meal. Maybe give them a job. That's something entirely different, isn't it? But Jesus said the, the, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few, though. You know what we talked about in Sunday school? This you know. Sometimes people go to church and they don't come to small... They go to big churches. And they go to big churches... So they can sit in a pew and nobody knows they're there, not to do nothing, there's no demands made on them. And they can miss and hey, nobody knows, and nobody cares, and you know, they're they're not called. Uh, Nothing's expected of them. Can I tell you that's not what being a disciple of Jesus is? When we're one of Jesus' disciples and when he's changing our life. He says, you know what, as I'm changing your life, I'm going to use you to change others. I tell you that Jesus doesn't call bench warmers. Whether you're 90 or 9 or somewhere in between, God can use you. I tell you, as long as you're still above dirt, God is using you and God is changing you. You're not what you're going to be, and you're not what you should be, but praise God, you're not what you used to be. And it's God's working that change in your life, He you said, You know what? Yeah, the, there are a lot of people, they just don't want to work. There's lots, every store I've gone into, every restaurant I go to, there's a sign on the window, Help Wanted. Where George and I went to, it's when we went to the association meeting, we stopped at a gas station to get a drink. Use the restroom. And they had a big sign on the door: thousand dollar sign up bonus." Uh, at the ga- I mean, because they can't get help. Because people don't want to work. Well, can I tell you? There are people that don't want to work in God's kingdom either. But let me tell you this, my friend: If God is changing your life, and God is working, and God is transforming you. You'll work for him. But here's the thing. The work for, that we do for God, it doesn't even seem like work. Man, we just say, man, look how blessed I am. Look how, you know, God has changed me. Listen, God hasn't changed you just so you can be a pretty little knick-knack on a mantle somewhere. God's changed you so that you can help change someone else. And so he says pray that the, to the Lord of the harvest. That he would give workers for the harvest. And so the harvest depends upon this last thing. I want you to notice this last point. The harvest depends on Brother Rodney put the last slide up. <laughs> what does it depend on? It depends on you. And it depends on me. You see, if we're, Leslie and I don't have a garden. guess we don't have an overflowing abundance of okra and cucumbers and peppers... Because we didn't plant any okra, peppers, or cucumbers. We want some, we go to Kroger and we give them whatever they're asking for it. Because we didn't do the work. Guess what, Miss Holly, she planned a garden this year? She said last week she's got okra coming out of her ears. Uh, Got peppers everywhere. I'm going to spoil your Christmas present, you're getting pepper jelly. The Lord says, pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up laborers. Why did Jesus say that? Because can I tell you that God uses our prayers not because it affects Him. He knows what we have need of before we even ask. He knows what we have need of, and He wants to meet our needs. But prayer is to remind us That we need to depend on God. And this is what God... Oh, God is tricky. Jesus said, pray that God would raise up laborers for the harvest. God wants you to see the harvest. You have to see it before you're going to be willing to work and do anything for it. And that's why he says, you pray that the Lord would raise up workers for the harvest but as you see the harvest and you see what God is doing and has done in your life as you pray lord would you send up harvest laborers for the harvest this is what he does it's okay i will i'll see you at work at 7 in the morning you see as we pray we have to be careful what we pray a lady with tithe said Aaron I've been praying that God would raise up somebody that would work with our young adults and would really pour into them I said yeah we definitely need that in our church and I said I'll call her Sue that's not her name but Sue why do you think That God has given you that burden And she didn't answer me For what seemed like five minutes It probably was just five seconds And she said Preacher I think it's because God is calling me But I'm a divorced woman And I'm old I said Sue God doesn't care about your past. But by the way, God can use your past to help change somebody else. Maybe some of the things that you've been through, you know how important it is for young couples to be discipled and be connected to a local church. Because when they're not, they oftentimes fall away from the church. And so she took on that ministry, and we had even more young families and, and young adults that weren't married begin to come to our church. And so as you pray, don't be surprised that the Lord might say, all right, I'm going to use you. It may not be, it may be that, but he will use you for something. Again, it won't be sitting on a bench. God wants to put you in the game. There's far too many Christians say, you know what? I want to be on the bench. I want to wear the, the uniform. But I don't want to play the game. I said, you know what? I don't need people like that. What I need are people who's been transformed. And they know that the gospel you see you didn't clean yourself up and you didn't change yourself and you're not changing yourself God is changing you God is doing it And I can assure you if God can do it for you he can do it for anyone And here's the thing he will And so the harvest depends upon ministry happening us doing and And being a part of what God is doing in our midst. The harvest depends upon us having empathy for people. For for not just saying, you know what, yeah, we love them. But to, to be present with them. To care. And to show that we care. In short, the harvest depends on you. If you do nothing for the harvest, you don't plant, you don't water, you don't weed. Can I tell you what you're going to have? Nothing. You're not going to get a harvest. But if you let Miss Holly are out in the garden tilling and weeding and watering and doing all those, guess what you're going to have? A bountiful harvest. The thing about harvest is that, listen, and I'm going to close with this, that when we plant seeds, you may plant one seed. So I would take one pepper seed she put in the ground. When the pepper begins to grow, guess what? She's going to have a lot more than one, even though she just planted one seed. She so gets a lot more peppers, don't you? So you get bunches and gobs and gobs. So she's got okra and peppers coming out her ears. That's what God does. We do our little bit. And God takes our little bit. And like that seed in the ground, he takes it and he multiplies it into a bunch. God takes our little bit. And he blesses it and he uses it in ways we couldn't even fathom. And why he does that is to prove it's not us that's doing it. It's him. He said, you planted one seed. Now you've got 15. That's much more than you planted. And so the message to us today is this. There's a harvest. And I tell you, there's a harvest in Rankin County, Mississippi. There are thousands of people within a few miles of this church that are going to hell. They're living in sin. They're hurting, and they're looking for answers. But see, they're looking in all the wrong places. The pool halls and the beer halls and the whatever other halls are not going to fix their problems. But the hall of Jesus will fix their problem. But guess what? They're not going to enter in the hall of Jesus unless they meet you first. Unless you say, hey, listen, you know what? I met a man that knew all about me. And he changed my life. And He can do the same for you. You see, it's not that you have to have the Bible memorized or be a great Bible scholar. All you have to know is, hey, listen, I once was lost, but now I'm found. And listen, if I was found, you can be too. That's the news of the gospel. The gospel is for everyone. And everyone needs it, and God just might choose you to plant a gospel seed in someone's life. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, our prayer this morning, there's one that's lost, one that's never been set free and transformed by coming to faith in You, Lord, would You help them today to acknowledge their sin and recognize their need for salvation and to receive that free gift that You purchased on the cross of Calvary by believing that You are the Son of God and that You paid their sin debt. But Lord, Lord, For those of us that are here and those of us that are watching on Facebook or YouTube that are saved. Lord, maybe we've not been very active in the harvest. And you would need to say to us today, Lord, I want to start partnering with you. I want you to work in my life and I want you to help me to share what you're doing in my life with others. So they know if he can clean me up, he can clean them up too. Help us, we pray, to care for people. Help us to have empathy that drives us not just to say we love, but to show it. Lord, there are so many souls in this community. And Lord, we pray you would help us to be a small part of reaping the harvest of souls in Pearl, Mississippi. Help us, we pray, to be obedient. Help us to be your hands and feet. Change this community and change our world one heart at a time, we pray. And let's stand together this morning and say, you know what, it's harvest time, but there's preparation that has to be made for the harvest. And maybe today you would be one that would need to say, you know what, Lord, you changed me, you found me, but I've been just sitting on a, like a knick-knack on a shelf. And I want to be active. I want to be your hands and feet. I want to serve you because you love me and I love you. And I want to help the world know that you love them. saying this